Acts 22, 22. One verse, and then we'll, we'll do a recap. And they gave him audience unto this word, and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Look at, look at it again. The Word of God says, because Paul has now been arrested, and he's in the midst of his testimony, which we'll cover in a moment. And the Word of God says, and they gave audience unto, unto this Word. Up to this point in his testimony, they listened to him. But when he got to this statement that he just made in his testimony, they lifted up their voices and they said, Away with this man from the earth. Kill this man, for he is not fit that he should live. And as I was reading through the Scriptures, I was intrigued as to what caused this change. What made them so vehement against Paul? What made them really stirred them into a murderous frenzy? Because if you carry on and read, let's just look at verse 23 and just look at it. And they cried out, and they cast off their clothes, and they threw dust in the air. I mean, they had a right fit. They were doing what the Jews do when they are grieved over something. They ripped their clothes. They put sackcloth and ashes. You know that kind of thing? When a Jew was very grieved, they would visibly show that sign of it in some way and like this. So Paul, in his testimony, something struck them so, so deeply that they were grieved to their very core. And they threw dust in the air. They shouted. They moaned. They cried out. There's a mob going on. They're ready to hang Paul. They're ready to kill him. In the beginning of Acts 21, Paul made it into Jerusalem. Father, as we pray... And as we come now to Your Word, Lord, move. God, stir our hearts. Create an army for Jesus. Do a work here tonight that is beyond man, that is beyond a sermon, that is beyond any thinking that we can come up with. Lord, You've called us out. We are an ecclesia. We are the church. We are not a stagnant body. We are a group of people that are to take up our cross and to follow You. There's movement there, Lord. There's a fellowship that we are a part of. And I pray, God, tonight that You would speak and move in our hearts. And Lord, let us be changed. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you go back to Acts 21, and just kind of follow with me as you can. But Paul was finishing up his third missionary journey. He went into Tyre. He came down into, I think, Ptolemy. And then he got back on the boat with Luke and the rest of them. And... They came into Jerusalem. When he got into Jerusalem, he saw James and the, and the leaders of, of, the, of the church there in Jerusalem. And, and they said to Paul, you know, it's great to hear about all the things that has, God has done through your journeys. But you know, we've got a lot of people here that are so zealous of the law. And you know, we're, we're kind of concerned and they're kind of concerned that you being here is going to cause a problem and and, you know, Paul, they, they actually heard that you're going around proclaiming and preaching to Jews that they should stop following the law. And they should stop circumcising their kids. And they should stop being Jewish. And eventually, that's exactly what was going to happen. And that, that's exactly what they were supposed to do. 
but they had a really difficult time in doing that. Now last week we showed, and we can see in Scripture, that you know what? Paul didn't do that. Paul actually quite did the opposite. He allowed the Jews to carry on with that, but even the council in Jerusalem, maybe 15, 20 years earlier, passed a law, I don't know what to call it, they passed a council decision that said, Paul, the Gentiles do not have to follow the law. All they need to do is don't partake of blood. and In other words, just live a moral life that is becoming of God. And they don't need to follow the law. And Paul left it at that. And he never once told them not to do that. As a matter of fact, we see from Scriptures that, that Paul said, you know, if you don't think it's right to eat meat, don't eat meat. If you think it's right to eat meat, eat meat. But if you have a, a weaker brother that sees you eating meat and he believes you shouldn't, and by you eating it is going to cause him to stumble, then don't go to McDonald's and buy a hamburger. Don't eat the meat. You know, Paul tried to, to, to keep a very balanced look at that. But even Paul later on wrote one of the most amazing, I believe it was Paul, maybe not, wrote one of the most amazing letters in the Bible to the Hebrews, telling them to stop being so Hebrews-ish, or however you want to put it. He wrote that book. And then, a few years later, four, five, six years later, God destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. And they could no longer be Hebrews, could they? They could not practice fully their religion. And so, basically, it just kind of stopped and they became the, the Christian believers that were Jews became less and less and less Jewish. But at this moment here in Acts, they're very Jewish and they are vehement, they're zealous about the law. And so Paul made it into Jerusalem. He met with the church. The church talked to, to Paul and Paul said, okay, I'll go with the guys. They're having a vow. I'll pay for their sacrifices. I shave, I'll shave my head. And Paul had done that once before in Corinth where he took a vow on his way to Sancreia, and, and he shaved his head. So Paul went into the temple. The Jewish people saw him in the temple, and that's when the mob started being created. And they took Paul out, and he's, he's now up on some staircases somewhere, and a centurion guard has gotten a hold of him, and basically Paul begins to give a testimony of what God has done. Paul says to the guard, hey, can I have a moment? Can I speak to them? You know why Paul wanted to speak to those Jews? Because Paul loved them. You know why Paul tried, to, tried to, 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 to live a life to the Jew, I become a Jew, to a Gentile, I become a Gentile, to a man of the law, I become a man of the law, I become all things to all men. Why? So that I might win some. You know, that's what his plan was. Now today, People get so upset when we try to do that kind of thing and say we're a compromiser. Paul never compromised the Gospel. We'll see that in a moment. Paul might have, might have had different preferences, and when it came to preferences, he said, have different preferences, but let's not divide over the preferences. We can divide and will divide over the Gospel, but not preferences. So Paul actually defended himself. It says in Acts, in Acts chapter 22 in my Bible... One of the headlines is Paul's defense. And Paul began to say to those, to those people there, um, as he was on the stairs, 
just moments away from being taken into the prison part. The, the guard, the captain of the guard is there. Paul says, can I talk to them? And he begins to speak to them in their language. And, and he says, you know what? I was a stu- student of Gamaliel. Or as some of you would say, Gamaliel. Hello? Who says Gamaliel? Who says Gamaliel? Who do- the- Hazel, I knew there was someone. Who doesn't have a clue? Cool, call him G. All right, he was a student of G, and he, Gamaliel, or Gamaliel, was, was the best of the best Hebrew scholars and teachers. He was the teacher that you wanted to study under. And Paul says, I was trained in Jewish laws and customs by Gamaliel. Gam- by, now, I don't even know what to call him. Gammy, Gammy, G, this dude. I was taught under him. I was taught under the one who, who, he was the prestigious one, and I learned the Jewish laws and customs from him. And I learned how to be zealous in honoring God. He was a Jew of the Jews. He was one of the, you know, he was the guy that would get the scholarship to Harvard or something to be a lawyer. I mean, he was, Paul was one of those special young people that got to study under under Gamaliel. And, and then Paul said, you know, as I, as I grew and I studied and I learned and I, and I became part of the system and I, I eventually got to the point where I was appointed to be a persecutor of the followers of the way. I was given permission and I killed them, I arrested them, and I imprisoned some of them. And even... I received a commission to bring back prisoners from Damascus to bring them to Jerusalem. Paul says, I even stood there while the men stoned Stephen and I stood around, their clothes were dropped at my feet and I stood there in approval when they stoned Stephen to death. And they just listened. And, And through Paul's defense, that he was giving the, before the Jewish people, then he gets to what we would kind of refer to as our testimony. Go to Acts 22, verse 6. And Paul says, As, as I was on the road that was leading into Damascus, it's, it was about middle of the afternoon. And, and I'm paraphrasing. And a very bright light from heaven suddenly came down and shone all around me. And when that came down, I fell to the ground and I heard a voice that said to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the pricks? Why are you fighting against the conviction that you feel in your heart? And Paul said to this voice, Who are you, Lord? And, and that word Lord at the moment is not like Lord, oh, you know, oh God, who it's Sir. And sir, who are you, sir, speaking to me? And the voice said to Paul, I am Jesus the Nazarene. I am the one, Paul, that you are persecuting. And Paul goes on to say, the people that were with me, they saw the light that I saw, but they didn't understand the voice that I understood that was speaking to me. And I said to Jesus, I said to this one, I said to the Lord, 
Lord, what would you have me to do? And the Lord, right there on the road to Damascus, He told me, He said, Paul, go into the city, and there in that city, you will be told everything that I want you to do. You know, when I listened to Paul's conversion there, I, I, I just love what happened. You know, you don't see Paul praying a sinner's prayer. You don't see even later on when Ananias came in and, and Ananias baptized him and stuff. You don't see Ananias saying, Paul, now repeat after me. Do you know what I love? I love to see when God's holy conviction, when that Spirit of the Lord comes down upon a person and they hear the Gospel and they see the holiness of God. They see the fact Christ was the, the Lamb of God. They see the, their depravity, their sinfulness. And they look at all that together and they say as a man did in the Bible, woe is me! I am nothing! And they look to Jesus and they ask in their own words, Lord, forgive me and save me. Now I haven't made much of a big deal about it, but but that's only because we're, we're kind of taking our time and going slow. But everyone knows Marjan, right? You know Marjan and Mo. I, I really like Mo. Mo loves the Lord. He doesn't know a whole lot about him yet, but Mo Mo loves the Lord. And I was out at dinner with him last night, and he he says, "I just want to follow Jesus." He says, "Pastor, you need to teach me more." I said, oh my, you know, okay. And I asked him, are you reading your Bible? He said, yes. I said, how often? I said, okay. And I just looked at him and said, not enough. Not enough. Are you hungry for God? Oh, yes. I said, take that book every single day, Mo. Every single day, guys. You want to grow in Jesus? You want to know Him? You want to love Him? You got to read His book. And I looked at him and I said, read that every day. And pray for me about something. We are looking for a Farsi-English side-by-side Bible. And we are having such a difficult time. And here's why. When Marjan and Mo, they, they, they love each other, they're brother and sister, but they sit separate places in the building. When they're following along, they both have said that they have a difficult time sometimes understanding the English. And if they could look at the English and the Farsi side-by-side, they could read the Farsi and go, ah, that's what it means. And so, pray with me. I'm looking, but we have yet to find it. And then I said to Mo, I said, Mo, I said, you want to grow in the Lord, you need to serve Him. And I'm thinking, what can I have Mo do? So I fired Andrew. Andrew doesn't know it yet. Andrew, you're fired. <laughs> Actually, you have a co-worker. I, I, I thought, Lord, what do I have him to do? The Lord said, have him greet at the door. So when you all came to church this morning, most of you, you saw Mo at the door and he was greeting everybody. He was so excited. He, he, I think he had a suit or something on. He was here about half past nine. He said, I'm here to greet. <laughs> and he's so excited. Because you know what? Because that's what it is to, to, to be a follower of Jesus. You get in His Word and you serve Him and you obey Him and, and you do things for Him. And, and that is what being saved results in. And Lisa and I, um, because I, I, won't, I won't go and in, in, in be alone with, with a lady, with someone, you know what I mean, right? A female. And uh, like this morning, 
I got here early and then Corey got here and she said, Pastor, do you want me to leave until some others get here? I said, no, that's fine. You go do your thing. And I sat out there on the stairs until Nikki showed up. And I did that because that's what I do. And I want to honor the Lord. And so I was talking to Marjan and, and a couple months ago and she wanted to know more about Jesus. So Lisa and I, on Tuesday mornings at 11 o'clock for, I don't know, four or five weeks or something, we were going over to her house and we were going through the plan of salvation. And I, because of the language barrier, I took a little book with me. It's got pictures and it crosses and it shows Jesus dying and it shows two big mountain rocks and there's hell in the middle. And You, you know, you go through the whole picture story of Christ. And every Tuesday, and it was a good four Tuesdays that we presented the gospel to her and it was an hour to an hour and a half every Tuesday that she listened to me go through the gospel and I went slow and I went slow and I the next week I went over it again and I went slow by the fourth week it was all laid out in front of her and I asked her about it and she said I, I believe I want Jesus as my Savior. And she bowed her head on her own and she prayed and asked Christ to come into her heart and to forgive her and to save her. So she prayed. I said, Amen. We went home. Then I made another appointment the following Tuesday. And you know what I did? I went, I went all over it again for another hour. And at the end of it, I looked at Marjan and I said, Marjan, do you know if you die tonight, whatever, would you go to heaven to be with the Father? Are you a Christian? And, and I went through it again, and she said yes. And I said, why? And she said, because I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came from heaven to be the payment for, she said, to pay for my sins. I believe He died on the cross, went to the grave, and came out again on, on three days later. I've accepted Him as my Savior, and I believe that because of that, I know that I will go to heaven and to be with the Lord. Do you know what? That's a Pauline conversion. And that's the same type of conversion that you got. People think, oh, I wish I could get saved like Paul. You did. You did. You know what Paul said? He didn't get led into some sinner's prayer. He didn't. I learned a program years ago that could create converts. They taught us don't let them speak. Stay on track. Just get to the point when you get to the point of wanting them to be saved, just tell them to bow their head, close their eyes, and say something like that. If you want to go to heaven, reach out and grab my hand. Everybody reaches out and grabs my hand. Everybody wants to go to heaven. If you mean that with all your heart, repeat this prayer after me. And I'd get them to read a, repeat a prayer. Do you know what? I want God to save like He saved Paul. Paul, yes, he saw a miraculous thing. Yes, he saw lights. Yes, he heard a voice. But you know what he did? He acknowledged who that voice was. Who are you? I'm Jesus. What do you want me to do? Do you see the brokenness there? Do you see the, the obedience there? And he said, what is it you want me to do? Go in the city and I will tell you what, what you are supposed to do. He didn't walk an aisle. He said, who are you, Jesus? Or who are you? I'm Jesus. What do you want me to do? Oh, I love those words so much, so I'm going to read them to you again. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said to Paul, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. 
It's hard, Paul, for you to kick against the, 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 the conviction or kick against the pricks, kick against the goads, kick against the, against the Spirit of God who's coming on you. Do you know Paul was under conviction already of his sin? Maybe it was when he helped, helped kill Stephen. And Stephen said those wonderful, that, that wonderful sermon from, from Ur the Chaldees to the cross. And then he said, I see Jesus standing. Maybe that pricked Paul so deeply. Paul was under conviction. And when it came to the crux of faith, Paul didn't turn away. Paul said, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? What, that's probably the greatest question we can ask Jesus. What do you want me to do? Go into the city and I'll tell you. And so in that city, he was blind and praying. And God, and we won't go in the story for time, God told Ananias to go see Paul. Pray for him, touch him, baptize him. Give him an encouragement. Send him on his way. And after a while, it took a little convincing, but then Ananias did that. And then... Then at that time in Damascus, God spoke to Paul once again. Look at verse 14 in our text. Let me say one other thing about getting saved. God can save people without me or you. But He chooses to use us to be a witness of the Gospel to people. If we would just clearly present God's Word if we would just clearly tell people the gospel, most of the work will be done in that right there. Because God will speak to them. And you know what? They'll know what to do, amen? Y'all, anybody remember Bettina? I always talk about her. Bettina, she was a French gal. She's here a couple of weeks. She realized she's walking around one Sunday after church. She went to Curtis and two or three different other people. She said, I need God. I need God. Can you help? I need God. She knew. Like Paul, she's under conviction already of, 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 of something inside. And we spoke to her for about 40 minutes. And afterwards, I realized we didn't hardly have to speak to her at all. She already knew that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. She already knew she was a sinner. She bowed her head again in that room. And she prayed in her own words and asked the Lord to forgive her and, and, and to save her. And boy, howdy, what a change that was made. And that's American for praise God. <laughs> changing her life, wasn't it? She changed. Why? Because that's what the Gospel does. You see, Paul, he went from everything he used to be to something completely different and new. And here's what God told Paul when he was in Damascus. He says, the God of our fathers, Paul, the God of our fathers, Paul, has chosen you that you should know His will and see the just one, which he just did, and hear the voice of His mouth, which he just did, for you will be his witness to all men. You will be his witness to all men. Man, that's Jew, that's Gentile, that's black, that's white, that's woman, that's man, that's Ammonite, Amorite, Canaanite, Perizzite, all the other ites. It's all of them included. See, that's the wonderful thing about the gospel. There's no prejudice in the gospel. The world is prejudiced. The world hates. Hypocrites hate. But God's word doesn't. God's people who knows God's word, knows God. If you know God's Word, yes. You're no prejudiced, are you? Red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in His sight. Amen? 
He said, you're going to be a witness to all men. And then after that, Paul took a two or a three year hiatus. And he went and lived in the desert for a while. And in that desert, that's when God revealed to Paul his entire plan of salvation, his revelation. That word that Paul got in the desert is what he gave to Timothy and is what he gave to Titus and it's what he gave to all the others that served with him and worked with him. That is the truth, that is the teaching that he planted the church with Ephesus, the church at Sar, all the churches that he planted, the one in Corinth, the one in Athens, the one up here in this country where I can't even remember what the name is, Macri or Matri or whatever it was. It was that revelation. It was that word that God gave to Paul in the desert. That was the gospel truth in its entirety there. And Paul used that to go be a witness to all the world. And at all this time on those stairs, all these people are listening to that. And then after Paul was in the Arabian desert, he had to leave quickly Damascus and he went to Jerusalem. And whilst he was in Jerusalem, he was praying in the temple. And he went into kind of like, he had a vision. And it was the Lord who said, Paul, you need to get out of this place. Paul said, but they know that I used to kill the followers of the way, and they know that I used to be against that. Paul, you need to get out of Jerusalem because they're going to kill you. That was the Lord telling them. So Paul left Jerusalem. But here's what the Lord Jesus told Paul when he said, get out of Jerusalem. In verse 21, he said, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Now catch this. What happened in verse 22? And they gave him audience until this word was spoken. What word? The words of Paul, get out of Jerusalem because I'm going to send you to a far place away from here to the Gentiles. At that moment, they lifted up their voices and they said, said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Do you know what he did again? He spoke against the religious laws. What was it forbidden for a Jew to do? To be with a Gentile. You know, the Jews were so prejudiced, even their half-breed Jewish people, they would walk around an extra three days not to go through Samaria. You know what Jesus told Paul? Paul, Jesus said, Paul, that revelation I gave you in the desert, I want you to take it to the Gentiles. And I want you to tell them that they Gentiles can be just as the Jews. In other words, they're going to be one people. That's the problem the Jews had with Paul's ministry there. That's why they wanted to kill him. They listened to him until, until this word was spoken. And then they raised their voices and they said, away with this man, he's not fit to live. At these words... They went into a row, went into a mob, went into a frenzy. They wanted to kill Paul. I went back and I looked at the text. You know what? They didn't mind Paul being a religious student. And people today don't mind you and I being religious. And there's all kinds of religions on the street. Everybody's happy. You can have your religion. You can have your religion. Just don't encroach it onto me. He would, they were fine with him being a religious person. They were fine with him being a murderer. Remember Paul said, listen, I, I, was, I was the chief leader of the persecution against those people. I killed people. I stood there and approved the death of Stephen. And that mob group of people, they didn't care that he was a religious man. They didn't care that he was a murderer. 
They didn't care what he'd done in his past. They didn't even care. It didn't upset them that they became a follower of Jesus. Do you remember? Um, it was one of the high priests. And the high priest said, you know what? Don't worry about what's going on here because there was about 400 Jews that used to follow this other guy and they used to follow him and think he was Messiah, think he was something special. But as soon as he was killed, they broke off and they dispersed and they didn't follow him anymore. See, they were used to people following other things. Let them follow Jesus. It'll come to nothing. They didn't even get mad when Paul said, you know what? God has given me a commission. God has set me apart special from, from other people to go and be a witness for Him to all men. And they still kept quiet. But what provoked them was, I will send you to the Gentiles. Now to you and I, that okay, so why did that make them upset? It made them upset because when Paul mentioned his commission to preach to the Gentiles, the mob was moved with immediate and instant violent rage. Why? Because preaching to the Gentiles couldn't have caused so much, uh, such a response because the Jews preached to the Gentiles, didn't they? The Jews had a separate section of the temple where the Gentiles could go and worship God. The Jews wanted to make proselytes. The Jews wanted to make proselytes. When Paul went on his missionary journeys and he went into the synagogues in all these different cities, one of the main group of people that came and became followers of Christ were the proselytes that were being taught by the Jewish people to become Jews, you know, to, you know, to follow the Jewish religion. Paul went in and they believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't even the fact that Paul would go and, and, and minister or preach to Gentiles. It was actually the very message that Paul preached that infuriated that mob, those peoples, the, those Jewish people, and they, and they turned into a mob and, and, and were violent against Paul. It was the very message you know what it was? It was actually the gospel. Do you know? They don't care if you're a murderer. They don't care if you're religious. You go to work. They won't care if you're religious. Just keep it to yourself. They won't care of your past. People don't care about that kind of stuff. They don't care what you do. But open your mouth about Jesus Christ and tell them that Jesus came to save them from their sins and see what will happen. Do you know what the great divider in this world? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love what the gospel does. Take your Bibles and let's just look at it for a quick minute, second, two seconds. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. What was it about the gospel that made them so violent? Ephesians 2.11 Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, the Jewish people, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. You were an alien from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, 
You had no hope and without God, we're without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, Gentiles, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For He Himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, the hatred, the division, the separation that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances. So as to create in Himself, and here's what upset them so much, to create in Jesus one new man from the two, thus making peace, that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And He came and He preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father, What made those Jews so mad is that the preaching of the gospel, the gospel that takes away the wall of separation, the gospel that took those laws and said, you know what, they were a schoolmaster. There's something we can learn from them. They tell about Christ. They tell about Messiah. But we take them aside right now because they are in the way from everybody going to the Father. And Jesus came and died on that cross and that wall fell down. And and Paul says, Jesus says, you come. Jew, you come. Gentile, you come. And when you come to Christ, they'll make you one. Jew and Gentile the same. And what upset them so bad is it broke down their religion. It, 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 it said that, you know, we're all the same now in Christ Jesus. The gospel. You know what they were upset with? The gospel and the effects of the gospel. The gospel in reality destroys man's religion, doesn't it? It emphasizes the depravity of man and the holiness of God. It breaks down the walls of prejudice and it says, whosoever will, may. That's what upset them so much. It's what Paul said in Romans. Remember, we've been there for about six years and three verses. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to save. The gospel is for everyone who believes, Jew and Gentile alike. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed by faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hey guys, you can be religious, you can have a bad past, you can become a follower of Jesus. You can go and be a witness to all men of some kind of religion that you believe in. But to tell them that Jesus is the way, the only way, to tell them that Jesus can take you as you are and make you into a child of God no matter what sin, no matter what background, no matter what you've done. You know what the world gets mad at us? Because the world gets mad at us as Christians at, at how we handle controversial things. The reality is I believe in most, most of the history of Christianity, we've handled homosexuality wrong. You know, I'm against the sin. And you know why? Because the Bible's against the sin. But the Bible's against also, I don't know what else to say, straight people having relationships that they shouldn't have until married. Do you understand? 
What we've done that has been so horrible and I think has created some of the militant activity of the homosexual groups towards Christianity is calling them names and and hating them so much. Because I wonder, when I sit down and I witness to Marjan, I look at her and I love her in Jesus Christ. And it is that love that I have towards her and towards the Lord that compels me that I must tell her about Jesus. How can we have that towards sinners if we don't love them? And you know what the gospel does? And the world doesn't want to hear this. Because right now it's all the jokes are about, oh, you can't change a person that is in that sin. You try to change them, it doesn't work. We can't change them. But the gospel can. If the gospel can change a drunk, if the gospel can change a prostitute, if the gospel can change a sex trafficker, the gospel can change a homosexual, and the gospel can change you and I. Now, there's the, con- there's the conversation about temptation and stuff like that. Temptations will be there. Struggles will be there. Listen, I haven't had a drink of alcohol in over 20, 25 years. And I'll be honest with you. There are some times that I have that temptation to drink a beer. Because that was part of my past. But it doesn't mean that I'm unsaved. You know what it means? I don't go near the stuff. I don't go, I won't go and witness in bars. You know why? Mainly because I don't want to get around the temptation of it. So I keep myself from that. But do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, we got to love people. But the truth of it is the gospel can take anybody and make them into a child of God. People don't want to hear that. Do you know why the, the world is going to become militant to Christianity? It's if we stop being so, so ungospel-like and we become more gospel-centered and we start preaching that gospel like it should be preached and tell them it doesn't matter what you're doing, God can save you and give you a new heart and give you a new mind and change you and He'll help you with temptations. Listen, Paul still had temptations, didn't he? Paul said, the stuff I want to do, I don't do. The stuff I don't want to do, I do. I fight the sinful nature within my life. But God, by God's grace, I will be okay. And, and, and so, what, what are they going to be adamantly against us about? Is because when we preach to them that God can change them through the gospel, that's what they get mad about. You know what happened yesterday? I was, uh, I've been having some problems with my neck. And so I went back to my, uh, my, my therapy people, but my normal therapist wasn't there. So I got a new therapist, and I knew what the conversation would be like. They hear my great British accent. They go, oh, what are you laughing about, Sheila? I have an accent, just ain't British, amen? So I'm sitting, in, I'm, I'm laying there, and she's cracking on my neck, and I'm in some kind of pain. And she goes, well, why are you here? I'm the minister of the church behind the bank. Oh, that's nice, and we're talking and talking. And then I got pricked in my heart, convicted. I thought, I can't leave it at that. So I started talking to her about Jesus while she's ranking on my neck. And, and I told her, I said, she goes, well, I had a friend that was in a Baptist church. I said, you know, our Baptist church, we don't do a lot of that stuff. They were talking, she was talking about traditions and standing up and sitting down and, and burning incense because it was a church in, Roma- in Romania, in Romania. And I said, oh, we don't do that. I said, we just teach about Jesus Christ. You know how he's the son of God and he came down to our world 
and, and he died for And I started just talking to her about the gospel. She started pushing on my neck harder, and she stopped talking to me. Do you know why? Because the gospel changes people, and they don't want to be changed. Do you know what we need to do? We need to tell them the truth. I look at Paul. He lost his life for the gospel. And when about seven years from this point in time in his life, Paul will die a martyr's death. Do you know why? Because he never compromised the gospel. It seems that Paul could have been anything he wanted to be as long as he did not speak against man's religion and as long as he didn't preach the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? It's because the gospel is what will unite us. You want world peace? People need to get saved. You want Iran to stop building a nuclear power, whatever they're doing? They need Jesus. There's no political answer to this. There's no political answer to anybody. We're having crazy presidential elections in America, I think next year. I don't even know when they are. <laughs> I think next year, 2016. This coming November? Uh, yeah, a year November. And, man, all over Facebook, vote Trump, vote this guy, vote this lady, vote this person. And, I sit, and, and they're all saying, oh, they're the, they're the only ones that can unite our country. Nobody's going to unite our countries. The only one that's going to unite our countries is Jesus Christ. Because you know what? He takes people like Sheila and Alex and Faye and Nikki and Corey and Teresa and Felino. Man, we from all different backgrounds, all different cultures. And you know what? We get saved. And that's the bond that we have. The gospel unites. The gospel changes. The, when God's people get a hold of the gospel, that's when things change. That's when things grow. That is what will make things different. But, mind you, it might cost you something. Because the gospel cost Paul his life. Do you really believe the gospel? Do you really live by the gospel? Paul went to Jerusalem. He ended up in prison. He ended up before Agrippa. He ended up before Caesar. He ended up, he ended up before a martyr's death. Why? Because he preached the gospel. And you know what Paul said about this? You say, maybe the answer, Pastor, is for us to keep quiet. I don't want persecution. I don't, I don't want to die. I'm sure Jim Elliott didn't want to die, but he was willing to die for the gospel's sake. My friend, I, I, I call him my friend. I only met him one time. Josh Wesson, the man that drowned on Friday trying to save those boys from drowning. Um, he came to our church in America 16, 17 years ago. And he was on deputation, him and his wife, and I think he had one or two little, little, teeny, tiny babies at the time. His motorhome that he was driving was having some problems. So I said, you bring it by the church, I'll, I'll fix it for you. So, so I, whatever was wrong with it, I fixed it, put it in my jacks and stuff, and I, I think I changed some tires for him, changed his oil, did something, whatever else, I can't remember. And Lisa watched his kids while they went out on a date in our car. You know, Josh lost his life Friday morning by trying to save those boys from the current. 
You know what took him to the Dominican? It was the gospel. How do we believe in the gospel? Do we believe in the gospel enough for it not just to save us, but for it to change our life, to take us somewhere that we might not ever thought we'd ever go? For the gospel's sake. Here's what Paul ended with about the gospel. I am ready, being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is hand. Here's what he said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul stayed on the gospel. The only hope for anybody that we know is the gospel. And you, my friend, you're the gospel to the world around you. Let's keep at it.